juiced my carburetor. Fuel injection. Mm-hmm. Combustion. You want to put V8 vegetable juice into your V8 engine. And yes. that's going to, then you have a V16. From Momland Productions and Facade Media, this is Are We Sure This Is Good with Rob Derland and Tim Mom. Welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good? I am Tim, and with me, as always, is Rob the Chase Durlin. Say hi, Rob. Hey, folks. That's enough for now. Uh, nope. Okay. Stop. I usually hmm? do a little bit more. Oh, fine. You know, it's your show, whatever. I don't want to anymore. Now that I have your approval. <laughs> fine. I'm done. Fine. That'll be the Tim and the Rob. You want me to do it again? Well, what? last week I imitated you, so you get to imitate me. Now. Oh, yeah. No, you be me. Let's do that. That's oh, fun. God. I, I, have, I have nowhere to go with that. I don't know how I would be you. It is very hard. I brought this up multiple times in text and in audio that it you are inimitable. It is. I don't know how the sequence of thoughts begins, nor do I know where to go once I start. So, like, to be you... I don't even know where the first thought would come from. That's the, like it's, it's uh, you're a wild card. You're a true original. I think I hopefully you take that as a compliment because I mean it as a compliment. I don't know what words I would string together, and I feel like it would very clearly be. Well, copy. imagine that you've turned a faucet on and okay. then put your ear right up to the faucet. Okay, and that's the thought. All the thoughts, and then just pick one. That's how it works. If goldfish crackers swam inside the container. That would be more interesting. I feel like it's 2021 and I feel like it's time for moving goldfish crackers. You know, Rob, we have the internet in our pockets. So maybe be a little more grateful about the future right now. So your interpretation of me is the principal from the breakfast club. I'm just the villain in every school movie from 1985 to 2000. That's what that voice sounded like. I was just trying to be more professional. (laughs) I'll take it. All right. Last time. We're going to do one more. So you can jump in. We can't use any of that? You can use whatever you want. I'm trying to give you options. You paint paint with your brushes. But you're like, usually I talk more. I was like, okay, well, then maybe we should go back and get one where you talk more. Welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good? I am Tim, and with me, as always, is Robert Chase Derlin. Say hi to everybody, Rob. Well, hey there. Good looking. It's going to be a fun show. I feel the fun tonight. Yes. Can you feel the fun tonight, sir? Every Thursday after 9 p.m., which is when we start recording after our kids go to bed. It's on the evening cheese. The evening cheese. It's the only quiet time. Yeah. Literally the only quiet time. And I'm giving it to you. So just, you know, appreciate it. I, you know, I do appreciate, I do want to say for the world to hear from the mountaintops of Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, or just regular Stitcher, I guess. Oh yeah, you don't have to pay to hear us on Stitcher. There's no way. No. Google, Spotify. From that mountaintop, I want to say I do appreciate you taking the time to play this silly game with me. Oh, thank you. Likewise. The silly audio dance we do once a week. From the top of Podcast Mountain, I uh, I tip my cap in gratitude. 
Imaginary top hat. What? Imaginary top hat. I tipped my you're, imaginary. I'm sorry. Top hat. Your podcast mountain is so far away from mine. You're gonna have to speak up a little bit. Sorry. From the tip of this podcast mountain over here. Thanks. And oh, my, go. yeah. I gotta wait for the audio to get over there because the mountain it takes time for the sound I see to your mouth. Your mouth stopped moving. So okay, I'm getting it now. Thanks. Okay. Wait for it. Okay. That'll play out super well. Just that's a great bit. <laughs> I feel like maybe a recurring bit. Maybe we do podcast mountains every week. I think that for the benefit of the listener, it should be t- probably twice a podcast. Okay, so we'll set a timer, and then in like twenty-seven minutes, we will do that again, where we pretend that the sound is on delay, and then there'll there'll just be dead air. But it'll be funny dead air because it's a joke about how sound yeah takes time to travel between two mountaintops. But I think that what the people really want is that we do that longer. I think we did that for like two and a half minutes. Yeah. Let's stretch it out in 10, 15. Mm-hmm. Maybe we spin off another podcast just called Two Mountaintops, mm-hmm. where it's a conversation like we do now, dissecting Ooh. things. I but we pretend we record, like, it, we record it at six in the morning with coffee, and it's called Top of the Mountain to you. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and a lot of it is just silence while we wait for the sound to get from one mountain to the other. Oh, and we sip coffee really close to the mic. It's an ASMR mountaintop inspired <laughs> coffee cast. Okay. Top of the mountain to you. I, you know, that's a niche that that's probably not being filled right now. Cool. We're going to change this from weekly to every other week because on the off weeks, we're going to record top of the mountain to you. Yep. You heard it here first mm-hmm. and probably last. Anyway, are we sure this is good is a podcast <laughs> where we talk about Things that are good. And not only whether or not they're good, but we try to dissect why people think they're good. Maybe we question their goodness in a deeper way. It's been called uh, possibly good, but definitely different by at least one podcast reviewer. It's also been called a wildly unnecessary dissection of everyday thoughts by Rob. Uh, I think both of those are accurate. But today's topic is, are we sure Sheriff Woody is good at his job? But before we get to that, we're going to talk about a couple of things just this week that we thought were good. So, Rob, give us something that you thought was good this week. I got a couple. I got different things. Okay. I'm going to bring up. I'm going to bring up the one I talked about last week: Outriders, the video game. Okay. Still playing a lot of that, but it's it's like a oh, so it's like a love hate thing, yeah, or whatever. Because the game's so good when you get to the when you get down to the meat of it. But the, the freaking it sometimes is so easy to hate because what parts do you hate? First, first off, there's a bug in the game where, like, when you log on, sometimes it could take ten minutes mm. to get in the game, and sometimes it got like half an hour to play. Right. But I, I put up with it. Why do I put up with it? It's just so good. This the the shooting is good in the game. Gosh, it feels so wrong to just talk about. A video game where all it is is about violence nowadays, but that's all that video games are for the most part. That's fair. And it is a fun violence. Violence is bad. I don't know. I, I like the game. It's a fun game. So that's part of it. Any any good stuff for you? That's just, that kind of went sideways mm-hmm. on me there. It took a turn. <laughs> took a turn. Um, no, one thing I think is good from this week, uh, it didn't come out this week. It is in no way new. It's a book that came out in uh, 2016. It's called But What If We're Wrong by okay. Chuck Klosterman. 
And it is a fantastic book. It deals with uh, treating the present as if it is the past and dissecting oh, and analyzing questions that way. So when you think of marching band music, you were in marching band. When I say marching band music, who's a songwriter that jumps into your head, if the, uh, if at all? Uh, Santana? Anyone else? <laughs> we were looking for Sousa, John Philip Sousa, who is the only known author, composer of most marching band music. And the I last thought, thing I remember us doing was Santana. We did do some Santana. This is a terrible example. This segment is going amazing. My, my next answer is going to be Rob Thomas because we did smooth. We did. Well, because that was a Santana Rob Thomas club. jam. Jam, yeah. A Joy. collab. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I heard here. This is wild. Mm-hmm. My friend at work, he was wearing his rainbow Crocs to the grocery store, and a youth employee said they were tight. Tight's coming back around already. No. T- yeah. Let me ask you this. When we were in high school, how many kids that you would consider trendsetters worked at a grocery store? I'm going to flip it. A lot of them. <laughs> I mean, more than one. Some. Jeez. Okay. Well, our fr- our, Some of our good friends worked at grocery stores. You yeah. worked at a you worked at a Dairy Queen. I mean, it's Dairy like Queen's it's, amazing. How dare you? How is it different or better? Or is, what's the difference between that and a grocery store? I made children happy with ice cream. I handed it to them, and they were you like, get, "Thank you. This is you great." Get, you can get ice cream at the grocery store. Kids don't know that. They just come <laughs> in after their baseball games and want their free ice cream cone. I got to hand them out. No, Dairy Queen is a fun gig. Tights coming back around. That's neither here nor there. But just, I mean, that's kind of cool. I'm going to take control of this segment back <laughs> from your digression into grocery stores. <clears throat> hmm. One good thing about this week for me isn't anything new. Um, it sounds like I'm reading an ad into someone else's podcast now. That sounds terrible. I hate everything. One good thing for me this week is the book, But What If We're Wrong by Chuck Klosterman. It is uh, an examination of a lot of modern day problems and puts the lens of time over them. So if when you think about uh, a given thing, uh, like great writers from the past, a lot of people are like, well, obviously Moby Dick is an amazing piece of literature, but at the time Herman Melville wasn't a super, it wasn't well-received. Melville was actually a well-known writer. And then he wrote this book and they were like, Oh, nope. Uh, this isn't a good one. This book sucks. And then like years passed, decades passed, and then it got picked back up and it got reinterpreted and it became this like pillar of literature. And so he tries to examine today's literature, like who alive today could be writing and write something that's wildly unappreciated now that's going to be appreciated in 200 years and will just sum up what they think of literature around the turn of the century and just trying to examine it and admit that we're wrong about a lot of things. So if you look back on different kinds of music, a lot of times people use shorthand for composers uh, for different kinds of music. So if you want to talk about classical music, they're like, Oh, it's Bach, it's Mozart, you know, like these are amazing composers. And that sums up most of what pop culture is in relation to classical music. Like people don't know about all the other composers that might've, sold out more concerts or done a better job during Mozart and Bach and all these things. 
But you want classical music? It's it's a couple of guys. Yeah, I heard Bach was really pretty pissed at Ticket Ticketmaster at the end. Uh, he would sell it a lot, but he wouldn't get to keep the cut. Oh, no, they so. take a big cut. It's yeah. it's worse than the Apple Store. It's it's bad. Ticketmaster's business model is wildly flawed. But if you try to keep up with uh, how you would interpret that today, like who are the two artists that uh, people are going to use for shorthand 300 years from now for rock music? Like, how would you possibly figure that out? Who can stand the test of time? And he tries. He tries to do that. He walks people through those kinds of examinations. And he talks about Elvis Presley. He talks about Chuck Berry. He talks about Bob Dylan and all these big names and how. Joe Walsh. Okay. Joe Walsh. Not familiar. Just just his name twice. Jojo? No, Joe Walsh. Walsh Walsh. (laughs) Yeah. It's just Mm going to be Joe Walsh twice. Joe Walsh or Walsh. Um, no, it's anyway, it's a fun, it's a fun book. It it feels like it's not teaching me anything because there's nothing to teach. There's no facts at the end of this book. It feels like it's teaching me a new way to think and a new way to look oh. at things, which is just a fun thing for which it's also not very long. Uh, it's maybe a couple hundred pages. You could knock it out in a weekend if you believed in yourself. Uh, or you could knock it out over the course of a month if you read 10 pages uh, every night before you went to bed, which is what I'm doing. But anyway, oh. it's a fantastic book. So my good thing for the week is Chuck Klosterman's But What If We're Wrong? First off, let me say I do believe in myself. Excellent. I do believe in you. Thank you. And everybody should believe. That. And this is a quote from my friend at work, Colin. Believe in the power of your dreams. Okay. That's a good thing. Believe in the power of your dreams. That's what Bach would do. If he wasn't getting so bogged down with that freaking Ticketmaster scandal thing. He wants his money. He deserves it. You got to pay the artists. That's He's freaking Bach. I feel like we're all on the same page. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Well, that sounds like a good read, a fun time. It's a great book. That's, you know, I think it's good. Awesome. I should read more books just in general. I'm not a big reader. I'm sorry. How many do you read now? What do you mean now? I'm not reading anything now. We said I should read more. I thought there was, you know, you were reading some and you wanted to read more. You're not reading any. I read a book last year because Bork made me. That can't be good. Any book that Bork gives you, even if it's a good book, is going to feel like a chore. So that can't. I feel like your brain's not going to be receptive. It's like even if you were going to love Catcher in the Rye, the fact that you have to read it for high school is going to make you hate it. I really liked reading Ender's Game. And I didn't even know I was going to like it, but I'm glad that was a pretty sweet mandatory read. I concur. And this game is great. Oh, Wrinkle in Time was. I don't know if they made you read that they here. They did. And Wrinkle in Time was fantastic. I loved Wrinkle in Time. So there's a couple There's a couple that they made you read that you didn't know about. And you're like, this is pretty sweet. But mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part. But the book I had to read for work was called EOS. Okay. The Entrepreneurial Operating System. And I, you can... Tell me you can't judge a book by its cover, but right away from reading that title, I knew it was going to just be a white knuckle thrill ride, and I was not wrong. It took me to the highest highs and the lowest lows and the most side to side, but totally different sides. Mm -hmm. It's just a wacky ride. It's a Grand Rapids. It's it's freaking you're white knuckling. Exactly. You got the ropes of this book. And you're getting wet and you're feeling for, fearing for your life. Just riding it all the way down. But you, you believe, you believe in the, the, the guy who's getting paid twelve fifty an hour and make sure that he's not liable for your death. You believe in him that he's, he, you're safe. Well, you signed the waiver, so it really doesn't matter if you die at this point. 
Yeah. Anyway, that's that book. No, when you I, said entrepreneurial operating system, I uh, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. It must have just been from the yeah. excitement. From the, well, it's it's like a roller coaster. They call they call the rapids and the rivers nature's roller coaster. Did you know that, Tim? That's not that's that's totally not made up. That's what they call it. I did not know that. Yeah, it's in all the national parks. Mm-hmm. They call this they call this nature's roller coaster. Unlike that, this is a real fact. When you're in a cave in a national park and the stalactites start to merge together and form like a ribbon across the roof of the cave, they call it cave bacon because it yeah. looks kind of like bacon. I can see that. I could I could really get down. So I, I didn't read that book recently, but you were talking about books. That was the last book I read. What's something should... good? Not a book that you hated that your work made you read, but is there anything good that you want to talk about this week? Well, we talked about... Okay, so... That video game's good. I'm really getting back into uh, the the artist Twin Shadow. Okay. Uh, really good songs. Check him out. It's pretty. I don't. I don't what know. Kind what kind of mood he, does Twin Shadow bring to the party here? Like, are you going to put on Twin Shadow for a shower for like alone time when you're just zoning out and really into the music? You're going to put it on in the car. There's different songs you can get pumped up. You can, there's, there's a lot of chill wave, but okay. there's also some more synth pop type stuff in there. And you can get so some of the songs got a real like pump you up quality, and other ones kind of got like a real hard hitting slow jam, kind of snap your fingers and move your shoulders around kind of feel to it. All right, so that's good. Twin check Shadow, I will check it out. That sounds great. Yeah, uh, and also like the one, the my big one, my big one, and this is just from kind of a crazy day, listeners that we've been having with social media. It's kind of crazy, but. Like, and there's how I feel about the podcast is my other good thing. is just like the power of words. Mm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean, man? I feel like we need to have a campfire between us. Yeah. While we exactly. talk about these things. Well, you like, ever just what, read what, some words and felt their power wash well, over you? Exactly. Well, kind of. Like, we're like on Twitter, like just because you're really good with words and we, it's like a power we have. Almost, especially you, but oh together some, sometimes... I like I'm getting to, a lot of undue credit here, but thank you. Well, it, like the way that it's kind of a cool skill to have, and especially on Twitter where it's kind of equalizing, where you can just approach a famous person and say, hey, what's up? And they might say hi back. But if you have a power over words like that I think Tim has, he can put together something and that people engage with him, and he's hidden way above his class because he's he's talking to nationally acclaimed writers and they're saying lol that's so cool tim and they're they're following us back and stuff and then humble brag but yeah it's pretty cool that the power of words can let us kind of overcome some being a small fish kind of feelings it is a small fish in a big pond that that's definitely there's so many podcasts out there and i think one of the things that makes this worth doing is that the goal is to do it like it in and of itself is fun to do. It's fun to see you every week. It's fun to sit down and and talk about things that maybe aren't the seriousest, seriousest, aren't the most serious thing in the world. But it's nice to just have a dialogue and like flex those brain muscles and engage with you and talk to people on Twitter and talk to. It's nice to have. Oh, my God. The, the website part of what we're doing is really fun for me because, like you said, I do like words. I do like writing a lot. And I wouldn't write for myself. I know that about myself. But I know I want to post more because we're doing a thing. And I want to have a new post up for our website. 
And so, and I mean this in the most positive way, it creates a sense of obligation where it's like, I should write something to get something new up on the site because it's our site and sites need new content. And I know I want to write more and I know that the site needs something. And so just forcing those two things together, I'm like, just write for the, the website that you created with your friend and to go out and do that and just have, it's not going to be the best thing in the world every week, but I got 750 words out there and they're edited and I reread them and I edited them again and I put them up with art and I feel like they look good and they feel like they're easy to read. And it's just, it is a really good feeling to get something out there. And it is, man, when Josh Gondelman likes your tweets, that's just a fun, a fun feeling. I'm going to name drop it. It's when, when he replies stuff, it's, it is fun that a comedian did that. that you did that with your superpower of words, man. We're engaging with the people in a genuine way. We're talking about things that we like, and it's it's been fun. No, but Josh Gondelman was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me last week, and my wife and I listened to it while we washed the dishes. So this comedian is on NPR doing his thing, being a delightful human being that he is, um, and then just gave him a, a little a little at on Twitter and he replied and he replied and corrected us. And so then we had to apologize for misquoting him. Uh, and then he, he liked the apology. And, but anyway, the fact that he would take the time to do that just, I think speaks volumes to him, but it's, it is nice to, to try and engage with people, not in a fake way or in a branded way, but just to talk about things that we like and things that we're interested in and to have that, just create a conversation where no one is trying to get anything out of it. It's just about connecting with other people. And I think as long as you're doing that, people can sense genuineness. Uh, they can, well, I think more people can sense when you're being disingenuous, like a mile away. And yeah. they don't like to, that's not what they're here for on social platforms or when they're listening to things or reading things. They want to know what people really think and feel. That's anyway. Yeah, None of these tweets were groundbreaking. They were just silly thoughts about Iron Man, but it was fun, uh, a fun day to talk with people who that we respect and like on Twitter. That was always oh, fun. And we got so many other cool engagements out of it too. But the whole thing is like, yeah, the power that I feel really good about how good the podcast is going and the blog and the Twitter. It's just, you know, kind of, you know, that feels like our superpower is kind of communication and wordsmithing so that was just my good my big good thing boom well on that note let's dive into the topic for the week is sheriff woody good at his job so okay so mm. when you initially wrote this down in a text you said is, is sheriff woody a good toy that excellent point that is also my first point he has two jobs i think Okay. One, he's kind of like the mayor of Toyland in Andy's room. He runs the show okay. there. And then his other job is to be Andy's toy. But he clearly has a lot of responsibilities outside of just being Andy's toy. Like when you meet Woody, he's like calling a town hall meeting and he's got minutes and he's got notes and he's getting everybody organized for the move. So kind of like mayor or leader of the toys and then also being a good toy to, to Andy, his owner. There's like two different jobs. Okay. Can I do an exercise with you real quick? Hit me. It's Cause I want to get into the job part more. Okay. Okay. I want you to give me your indeed listing for what Woody's job is like full title. Even if it has to be like mayor slash this slash this and what his qualifications need to be, what his duties are, what is this job? That you are asking that Woody is good at. Go for it. 
We are looking for qualified applicants for the director of toy operations in Andy's room. Qualified applicants will be made in the late 50s and have been in other rooms and know what is expected of them without having to be told. They will direct toy operations by keeping all other toys safe and informing them of things that they need to know to provide good toy service to Andy, the owner proprietor of this establishment. The front facing part of this is of course being Andy's favorite toy. You're going to have to, you know, be a very engaging toy, uh never, you know, reveal that there's a secret civilization of talking sentient creatures living in a child's room every night. Um so that that's the front facing part. The the company facing part is keeping toys in good repair, keeping toys in line, making sure toys don't get sold at grocery stores. Um, qualified Part. candidates will know the difference. Did I say grocery stores? I meant garage sales. Oh, I was going to say or garage sales, but okay, either one. Or garage bad. sales. So yeah, qualified candidates will know the difference between grocery stores and garage sales <laughs> and will know uh, that keeping the toys ready for when Andy needs him is priority number one. There you go. Boom. Corporate speak indeed listing for what is job. Any heavy heavy listing required? You're going to have to lift all kinds of things and there is no weight limit. Uh, your strength will need to grow as needed for various plot devices. You're going to need to have trouble with doorknobs whenever we need to. But if you want to unlock a window, you can just immediately jump three feet in the air and unlock that. You can lift a small dog and roll it off of you. But uh, in some cases, you'll barely be able to lift a flashlight depending on whether or not it furthers the story. Like 401k match or? No, you'll slowly degrade and then okay. eventually be thrown away. Thanks so for applying. Okay. Health plan doesn't seem so great. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Whatever supplies are on hand will be used for makeshift repairs. You know, scotch tape? Okay. Sure. Other than that, no. No. Okay. Gotcha. How do I do? Is so that what you were looking for? Exactly what I was looking for. Boom. I'm just very glad that you jumped in so 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 head first, you know, so fully. When, when your podcast partner gives you a question, it's your job to smash that question into the into the stands. Okay, so that was very thorough, and I and I get and I get totally get what you mean by his job. So, so I, I think you definitely want to come at it from two angles because depending on the movie, he's being a good toy mayor, which is what I'm going to call it. But he's not being a good toy all the time. So is he good at being Andy's toy? And is he good at being a toy mayor? Toy Story 1. He's running his shit. He knows what he's doing. He's got his notes. One minor note here. Andy's birthday party has been moved to today. It's just an amazing line. It's so town holly. It feels like you're in like a tiny little meeting of a town with like 5,000 people in it. It feels great. But... That only works at the beginning because as soon as Buzz arrives, he completely loses his mind. And his goal is not to run the toys and keep everyone organized. His goal is to, you know, basically to destroy Buzz or at least harm Buzz enough that he can usurp Buzz as the favorite toy and take his, what he sees as his rightful place back at the top. So it feels like he's not the mayor a little bit and then he wants it back. So he's kind of a power hungry diva a little bit in one. And then he's not yeah, good at being can't. Andy's toy either. He's selfish and terrible. And what's best for Andy is clearly this new spaceman toy. And he needs to support that new person 
and he's not doing that. So in Toy Story 1, he's bad at both jobs. Okay. This is my take. How do you feel? Well, when you ask the question, is Woody a good toy? I I don't think that I would ever want to play with that. So Not a cowboy no, person. Not that kind of toy. You know, sure. soft toys were for going to sleep. Okay. You know, it had to have hard movable legs and stuff. This doesn't seem like a cool toy. Also, it's not a video game. So mm-hmm. do I think that's a good toy? No. But I see what you're saying. Is he a good toy? Like, is is there good in his heart? Yeah. Are his choices adding up to I would I would be upset if I got a Woody for Christmas. I feel like right now, if you got one, it would be fun. It would be like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right now. I would love that. Yeah. When I was when I was a child, I would not be cool <laughs> with that. I never would have I've never asked for such a thing. It's not a spaceship. This isn't Star Wars. It's not a Super Nintendo. I would be very yeah, that would not be cool. So I don't want a Woody. You can have your stupid Woody. So Rob in nineteen ninety five, when Toy Story came out. I like the dinosaur. I wanted Buzz or the dinosaur. Okay, you'd be fine with Rex. You'd be fine with Buzz. Yeah. What about Mr. Potato Head? No. Don't get that out of here. Okay. I want Ham? potatoes. I want, pot- I want potatoes. I'll have, I'll have a french fries. Ham? Mm-hmm. The piggy bank? Yeah. It's just an office supply. The, they tricked kids into thinking it was a toy. You want to keep loose change in this? Well, he's it's adorable. not a toy. Well, he's also the evil Dr. Porkchop. You know, he's a super villain. The toys yeah. also speak to the imaginative power of children. Yeah. Which I feel like you would key in on. Like you're a fairly imaginative guy you don't think if you were given i feel like if you'd been given just straight up wooden blocks your entire childhood they would still be spaceships oh, they would just be shaped I do like, like wooden, wooden blocks. blocks wooden yeah. blocks are pretty sweet wooden blocks are tight because it's a it's tight a blank canvas <laughs> on which you can yeah you can project anything on wooden, wooden, block. wooden blocks are sweet i would take wooden blocks i take wooden blocks over woody any day wow tough break for, so woody so we have three things we have woody as an actual toy for you we Not have toy. Woody, the mayor of Toy Town, and then we have Woody being a good toy for Andy, which is obviously a very would different you, child. Would you be happy if you got a Woody as a present? Just as I mean, obviously, depending if you're not an asshole kid, you're just going to be like, oh, thanks for the present. I mean, you're not going to like rage out about it, but secretly you're going to be like, no, I got a Woody, you know? No, I, th- I wanted a Woody because what I okay. was nine when the movie came out. And I remember wanting Woody and Buzz. Like, that's all I wanted was the, the okay. two of them together to play with them the way that they showed them being played with in the movie. I thought that was going to be really cool. <laughs> okay. No. No, you're doing it. I just there's a thing building up, and it almost went away, and then you. <laughs> Are you stuck on I wanted a Woody? Is that where we're? And this is yeah. infantile run then, on the sheriff saying. Yep, and then it went away because you're like Woody and Buzz, and then you got back into it. I wanted to play with it all Let the it time. Out. I wanted to play, play it out. <laughs> so I was, I was almost. Did you say you wanted it. to play with it? That's wildly inappropriate. <laughs> It's a non-explicit content podcast. They make us check that box. <laughs> so I, I almost had it in, and then you, you went, you went into overdrive, and then I couldn't keep it in anymore. So I'm going to bring it back to the movies real quick. Good, good call. In Toy Story One, I think we can both agree he's not a good mayor of Toy Town. 
And then he he gets back to it. The whole movie is about kind of his redemption arc and him becoming friends with Buzz, which is great. And he's, he's such not, a bad mayor that like he didn't even set up any backup government. Like, yeah, as soon as he's gone. Out, yeah. It was mob rule. Yeah. Mr. Potato Head was basically in charge, it felt like. Okay. I just figured they were just mobbing around just like no, I was agreeing with you. Oh, it yeah. is like a mob, and he is the loudest character. Like in the blind scene, okay. yes. when they're in Sid's house, and Potato Head is like, you think we forgot what you did to Buzz? That's a whole, that's my Mr. Potato Head impression. That's pretty good. The whole thing. In two, he's an amazing toy mayor. He runs a rescue op. He saves the, the penguin that has a busted squeaker, Wheezy. He goes and gets Wheezy from the garage sale. Tries to save Wheezy, is abducted, and everyone rallies around him to go and save him. So I think he's doing a good job as the leader of the toys. But then he almost leaves to be in a museum, which makes me feel like he's not being a good Andy's toy. (laughs) That could be what's best for for Toy Town. I have no idea. But if your whole thing is you're dedicated to one kid and you were like ready to go to a museum and just be a sellout runaway toy... That feels like he's he's definitely letting letting Andy down. Yes. What are your thoughts on Toy Story 2? Well, I mean, uh, he did turn really quickly to wanting to go to Japan for the toy museum. Yeah. And he turned back. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me question his uh, mental fitness, kind of flopping, flip-flopping back and forth. Like his dedication. Just, yeah, he seems very suggestible. Oh, okay. Which you don't want in the high, you know highest echelons of leadership necessarily. You don't want him to be mercurial. You want him to be driven. sharp, sharp and steadfast. Ste- oh, I like that. Steadfast is a good word. Yeah, sharp and steadfast, like mm-hmm. a really big knife. That you can't move. Mm-hmm. Steady like a train, sharp like a razor. Yeah, razor train. Razor oh, train. Razor train. That's mm-hmm. a good movie. Man. Let's do that right now. Sidebar. Razor train. Sidebar. Jason, Off Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Razor Train. Mm-hmm. He no. Jason Statham is Razor Train. <laughs> oh my god! What if that was his hitman name? And he like oh. drove past people on a motorcycle with a sword it's, and just ooh, sliced them. That's cool too. I was picturing like like a like a hardcore leaning Pixar movie where Jason Statham voices a train, <laughs> a train that's also a snowplow. It's Mm-hmm. Razor train. Why is it's it like called snowplow? Because that's the razor part. Oh, I was thinking cuts like the, snow, the train had been disfigured or something. Like there was an accident, and now no, it's one of those trains that they train. use to plow the snow off. The is razor train. Mm-hmm. Jason Statham <laughs> is razor train. But yours is cool too. I, I would see both movies. Yeah, one of them might actually get made. The Pixar one probably won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, they own Fox now, so maybe they can make a crazy... Razor Train? Razor Train animated movie and just release it under the 20th century banner. It'll be fine. Yeah. All right, so in Toy Story 1, he goes nuts. That's kind of the whole point of the movie. In Toy Story 2, he runs the rescue operation. He's a good mayor for the most part, but he's very suggestible. Almost goes to Japan, decides not to go to Japan and comes back. Yeah. Toy Story 3, here's the thing. In Toy Story 3, he's generally a bad leader because he's... In a general sense, he's wrong about daycare. He thinks it's a terrible place for toys to go. It's actually an amazing place for toys to go. But specifically, accidentally, he is correct because Lots of the Bear is a, a tyrannical autocrat 
who rules with an iron fist and subjugates all of the other toys, which is not good. But generally, I feel like Woody's wrong about daycare. So he's leading his people astray and then accidentally it turns out he is correct. But then, of course, they all stay, at least a lot of them do, at the daycare. So that's fine. As as far as being Andy's toy, he's ready to go to the attic and, like, basically become a monk. He's, like, devoted in a monastic sense to being Andy's toy. So crushing being Andy's toy in Toy Story 3. Like, I'll go sit in a box. There's other stuff up there. There's playing cards in the attic. However long it takes, I need to be there. So full marks for being Andy's toy in Toy Story 3. Zero points for being a good mayor of Toy Town. Yeah, he, well, he, he, oh, wait, wait, he does do a rescue operation, though. He saves all well, the toys for the garbage truck at the beginning of the movie. Damn it. Okay, so half credit. Does a rescue operation, but again, is leading them completely in the wrong direction. And then is accidentally if you right. Need to, if you need to go on a lot of rescue operations, you're not being a good leader. You should have... I mean, you're not keeping the toys of Toy Town safe if every couple of years they're getting stolen or well, put in danger. The mom the mom takes Wheezy and puts him in the garage sale box. And he has to stay still or the mom will see him. Like, there's rules. I'm just throwing okay. that out there. I, I see your point. And you don't want toys, you know, in danger all the time. Yeah. However, you can't just, you know, attack the mother. If he was, you know what, if he was a good leader... A real, a real true leader. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been trying to pull that stunt so close to graduation in the in the toy chest, mm-hmm. the phone thing. See, they were they're they, moving into they, like toy. No, that's not Toy Story Four. They're still Toy Story Three. You're right. You're right. Continue. Well, a good leader wouldn't be trying to get one last playtime. They would be right preparing for the attic and making sure that that's Andy true. Was ready. Andy was ready to pack them away properly and not in a garbage bag. Very selfish. There were no. steps he could have taken to make sure that they avoided that garbage bag of fate, I think, which sets off a lot of things. But no, he he went with everybody's more baser instincts to get played with. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to go along with that plan and he fully, you know, but that's, well, that's irresponsible leadership. It is. He should have. That's so... He, I don't, yeah, I don't think he was a good failing at that job. Definitely. For sure. In three. In three. But b- being a good Andy toy, I feel like, like part of him is ready to, what was I going to say? Be in the attic. He's ready to go to the attic himself. He's not leading other yeah. people in a, in a safe way. I totally agree. It would be a way more boring franchise if he was a good leader all the time, though. So That's true. Well, he's basically just a crazy narcissist the entire franchise like in the first one it's all about him he wants buzz to go away so he that can first, be that first toy story is almost not okay anymore because of how bad woody treats buzz well just like the is is like the whole is very toxic masculinity almost as close with between Ooh. him and buzz and like Going toe-to-toe for the leadership role kind of thing yeah there's there, I, there's a, yeah it's just yeah me unpack it huh I said, hit me, unpack it. What what parts of, of Toy Story 1 are problematic? Oh, well, the whole, like, the whole thing that kind of starts it off is because Bo Peep all of a sudden likes Woody more. I think I found my moving buddy. And then mm-hmm. that's what kicks, that's what really kicks Woody off is like, that's my Bo Peep. Ah. You can't take my Bo Peep. So it's very, very territorial. Yeah. Okay. So... But it's it's mostly okay. It's it's gonna get. There. I think it's gonna get to a place where it's not okay. Is Woody a tyrant? Is he like lots of the bears? He just uh, in charge because he said he was in charge, or do you think he was democratically elected? 
Oh, I don't think I I mean you can tell by the way the country falls into dis or the, the toy room falls into despair when he's gone. This it's it's more of a more of a tyranny, more of a dictatorship. Uh, yeah, autocrat situation. Okay. There's no there's no other it doesn't I wouldn't say that there was any voting to okay. happen. You know? So Woody is uh hmm. He seized power. He was he was obviously just the toy that was there first. He's from he, the 50s. He was the favorite. There was a Woody bedspread. It's hard to argue against the guy sure. whose face is all over the room. Like, this is clearly my... my wow. I like that you called it a country. This is my country now. My face... I put my is flag that, everywhere. Is that, is that how dictators work? If you put your face on enough pieces of the f- furniture around the country mm-hmm. and on the walls? Yep. Like, well, this guy's face is everywhere. I guess him. Yeah. Now, the rebellion keeps trying to take down uh, Putin murals, and it, it, it doesn't work. So the the Democrat uh, push in in Russia just keeps stalling out because they just keep putting his face back up. If you have more than a thousand posters in the Capitol, you just get to retain power. I'm pretty sure that's how it works there. Anywhere. All all countries. Yep. (laughs) I mean, you try to put 1,000 pictures of your face real big around Washington, D.C., you're probably going to make some, probably going to get arrested for something. Mm-hmm. Or but elected you, to something, you know? Who knows? Yeah, but if you succeeded, then people would be like, "That guy must be in charge." I got no stuff. His face is everywhere. Or lady. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we're talking about me, so it's going to be a dude. Oh yeah, yeah. But or yeah, I'm with you. <gasps> oh, but in Toy Story Four, hey, he's oh. also bad. In Toy Story Four, he's bad at which part? All of it. He he's not a good like. He's he not still good, wants. He's not a good. Uh, assistant to the assistant mayor, assistant to the regional mayor. That's right. Dolly is running the show in in Toy Story Four, and he just wants to be leader again, like a like he thinks he's entitled to it. You see, mm-hmm. but he does do what Dolly says. Like he tries to defer to her. It feels like, and he tries to undermine her by not by getting that by getting by getting Forky, and that's all he cares about is Forky now. Okay, so yeah, he's kind of, he's very much a disruptor at that point. One, he's not even supposed to go to kindergarten. He's not supposed to be in the bag. Yeah. Who's he, what's he trying to do? He's trying to unseat the woman in charge. Mm-hmm. And because he's there, Forky gets created, which creates the obligation for him to tend to Forky because the entire thing is his fault. Yeah. So now he's breaking then, all kinds of rules. Yeah. And it's obviously not best for Bonnie. She would forget about Forky in an instant. That's how kids are with those little plasticky toys. You know, like in his mind, it's important to her. But kids and little kids and little plastic doodads. Are no, I'm with you. The entire movie is that way. The movie ends with him choosing not to go back to Bonnie because he won't be missed. But he's her cowboy that she gets at the end of Toy Story three, and he's just going to go off and do his own thing. So the entire point that they're building to that she has to keep Forky because Forky is important to her just kind of evaporates when it's about him and he wants to go with Bo Peep. He's like, ah, she'll be fine. I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to do whatever I want. So yeah, not great there either. No. So yeah, as the mayor of toy town, well, he's no longer the mayor. He's past his prime, which is kind of the point is that he's, he's on the downside of, of climbing toy mountain at this point. He's Bonnie's toy and he abandons her. So as far as being Bonnie's toy, you know, bad job. Who is the hero in the toy story movies? Ostensibly, it's Woody. Is he though? He's kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick. Well, I in the on the wikis in the 
half-assed internet research. I think that might be a trademark phrase, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, yeah, the first drafts of this, he was just an overbearing narcissist and they didn't know what to do with it. But they wanted that friction of a new toy coming into the room. They knew they wanted that, but they had to rewrite it several times. So until it became palatable. Also, using Tom Hanks as the voice for what he's kind of a cheat because he's like one of the most amicable figures. Amiable? I'm going to say amiable. One of the most amiable figures in Hollywood. And so you have this nice voice. Even when he's mad because it's Tom Hanks's voice, you're like, yeah, that's that's bad. You shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that even though the, the people have a point. I think the real hero is Ham. Could be Ham. Because he, he, he knew he was never going to be the favorite toy. Did he take it out on anybody? No, he got a wide mm-hmm. variety of interests. He knew the model of the lock on the window that's in true. Toy Story 3. He's, that's, just, that's, a, that's not something you know unless you're really into He's got some eclectic tastes. He's a bit of a I reader. Think. Yeah, he's a hobbyist. So he that's that's the hero who he accepted his role as maybe a B or C team toy. And he actually, he he's the villain. That's right. He's a he, position player. Yeah, he's doing his job. He, like was the, he was the villain. He was never going to get a bedspread or a poster. No. But he, did he try to push anybody out a window? Or no. try to go to a toy museum? Or no. mess up everybody's retirement plans? Or sacrifice everybody else for a fork? No, he, he did his job. And he, he bettered himself through reading and knowledge. And he was always there for who's ever willing to play with him. Boom. So, ham. Ham. So, let's take it a step further. If Woody's not the good guy, is yeah. it possible that Woody is the villain of every movie? He's very clearly the villain of Toy Story 1. That's the whole point, is that he has to come around and, you know, uh, apologize and pay for his past mistakes and bring everything back. So, Toy Story 1, definitely the villain. That's the entire point of the story. Toy Story 2, he almost abandons his room. Hmm. Yes. So so if he's going to abandon Andy and abandon all the other toys, he's being bad at both jobs, almost goes off to Japan, decides to stay. No, think about this, though. Take it a step back. Like, Wheezy, losing Wheezy is going to be tough on the toy room. Okay. But Andy forgot about Wheezy a long time ago. That's true. And he's going to get sold. Which is kind yeah. of the whole thing they do with Bonnie. Like, he's moved on to another owner. Well, well, yeah. We, Andy doesn't care about Wheezy. So, he, what, all he did by going down to sec to get try to get Wheezy is sacrificing the safety and well-being of the rest of the toys in the room. And possibly his obligation to Andy by, you know, doing that whole operation. So, for with his self-aggrandizing mission, he's put everyone at risk. Yeah. And Wheezy didn't... Wheezy wasn't really a part of the community anymore. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, he wouldn't. But Andy didn't care. About, it's not good. It doesn't do anything to Andy that Wheezy was going to be gone. No, so they hit that in Toy Story Four. Like Bo Peep, just you know, she went to another house at one point. It was sad, but we all moved on. Wheezy was going to get sold. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. that that whole thing was bad leadership in me to be being a bad. Yeah, so he's a villain in that one too. Mm-hmm. He does everything selfishly. And then in Toy Story Three, he tells them daycare is evil, which is wrong. But it turns out this daycare actually is evil. And then he abandons all the toys. He says, fine. And he walks away and he leaves them all to suffer. Yeah. And he has to be told to, to go back and, and help his friends. Mm. Mm. Did he really want to go back and help? Do you think about this though? For what, from what we know about Buzz so far, uh, Woody so far, about who he really is, do you think he really went back to save his friends? Or do you think he really went back 
to save his friends to have the satisfaction of I was right. Ooh. This was bad. Because we know that Woody face. doesn't Woody doesn't do anything if it's not for Woody. He did that so he could feel superior to the other toys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chew on that. Unfortunately, Lotso is an amazing villain and is definitely the villain of Toy Story 3. He's the other villain of Toy Story 3. <laughs> I feel like you mean the additional villain after the main villain, which is, of course, Sheriff Woody. Now, that makes sense. And Toy Story 4, I feel like he's kind of got a mad scientist vibe. He puts all the pieces. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same old story with that son of a bitch. <laughs> this guy. He, he makes up. He invents a problem in an during an effort to self-aggrandize, to work for himself, mm-hmm. he puts the whole group at risk and fucks everything up. It's no it's good. A, it's the same story in every movie. It's all Woody's fault. So, yeah, he's the bad guy in that one, too. Man, what a ride. I feel like there's a lot we don't know about Woody. He says he I, was built I, in the late 50s. And so, between then and now, it's like... Where were you? Who did you belong to before? Like, he's got a whole other life before Andy, but all he ever remembers is Andy. That's the only kid he ever talks about. There's got to be only one reason for that. The person who owned him before was a war criminal, and Woody helped. Wow. You took that to a very, very dark place. So he locked that away. (laughs) He could literally lock it away. I don't know how memory works, but, you know, they pull his voice box out at the end of Toy Story 4. Maybe they he gave himself, like a lobectomy of some kind and removed part of his brain. And now he doesn't remember being a war criminal. Yeah. He was a dick then too, though. Okay. They shouldn't have taken his voice box, but she did ask for it and he could have just given it to her. And he knew he wasn't the 18 toy anyway. And no one's playing with his voice box. And this other toy had a chance at something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, fuck you. No, he gives I her need- the voice box. He gives her the voice box in the end. He voluntarily has it removed. I thought they took it. Oh, okay. It was voluntary. That's at, true. At the end, well, he's trading it for Forky. So okay. it's still yeah, kind right. of like a at, at pencil point situation where they are, they're having kind of a I duel. I, I just remember the part where they're trying to rip it out. Okay. But yes, you're right. But he could have, again, he could have volunteered it and he didn't need it anyway, but. Like an organ donor. It's not an organ that does anything. He can still talk in his toy form. It's you're not saying like he's, when, he's an appendix donor. Yeah. It's a part of the, it's a part of him that nobody ever uses anymore, so he might as well just give it away to somebody who could. And he didn't, again, uh, the delusion that he was going to be top toy again. I don't think, okay. I'm going to push back a little bit on that because of, you know, he has some agency and some autonomy. And if he doesn't want to give up parts of himself, I'm saying that's okay. I, I feel like I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with him abandoning Bonnie when his entire principal stance was that he's supposed to always be there for Bonnie when she needed him. And then you he just think, runs off with Bo at the end. You don't think a real hero would have heard the plight of a toy in need? He, that's the, I mean, she gave him the story and he could have been a real hero and be like, you know what? I'm the, this is what I should do. I should help you out as a toy. It's not about me. It's about you, other toy. That's not, he said again, Fuck you, it's my box. My, I'm the toy here. Fuck you, doll. Get out of so here. you a lot of F-bombs. And again, we have a non-explicit <laughs> content rating. <laughs> I'll cut some of those. So we're going to keep, them. have to keep that down. Uh, <laughs> she does have evil henchmen that are super creepy. Uh, she does abduct him and Forky and then try to do black market surgery on him and rip part of him out. Yeah, that's bad too. Yeah, so I'm... <laughs> 
I don't want to be on Woody's side. He's not a cool dude in a lot of these movies. But in this instance, when people are trying to rip the insides of him out, I'm, I'm okay defending Woody and saying, no, you don't get to just pull parts of him out because you feel like it. Because you feel like yeah. they would work better if you had them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of nuance. You know, <laughs> this and that. So where do you land on his jobs overall? We have the mayor of Toyland. I feel like he's a little bit better at that, but that's because okay, let's he's give a selfish, power-hungry, you know, guy who seized power of an entire room. In the eight hours we saw him. <laughs> yeah, what happens off we, camera? What happened in the 60s and 70s, Woody? Why are those decades lost? So many questions. But yeah, he does run a tight ship most of the time. He does rescue some other toys. He does do a decent job. As far as being a good toy to Andy... Generally selfish, always yep. trying to make sure it's him. It's not always about Andy. It's about Andy and Woody together. And then when it's about Andy, not Andy, when it's about Bonnie and Woody, he abandons Bonnie and runs away with Bo Peep in the search of happiness because he wants to be fulfilled, which is, well, you know, that's actually a delightful ending. Props to well, yeah, only, them for He only did that because he couldn't be top toy anymore. So he's like, if I can't be top toy... I don't want to be any toy with That's you. True. He gets left in the closet with the dust bunnies and he gets sad and eventually he leaves. Yeah. Boom. So a decent, you know, power hungry politician, not a great child's companion. And, you know, before we got into this discussion, I didn't think these things. So that's how like, that's how deceptive he is. Until you stop and really. He's very folksy. Like, He's very charming. Yeah. Until you stop and really dissect who Woody is. Mm-hmm. You really think he's a good guy and a good leader and this good toy. So it's really surprising that we have arrived at this point here. Not what I was expecting. Well, you know. I was expecting to say personally that I don't want, that I would never really play with that toy. But, you know, generally a good toy and toy story. But I don't think that at all now. Strange. So, yeah, that, that was surprising that we got that, that we got there. It was surprising that we got there. Timothy. So are we sure that Sheriff Woody is good at his job? The answer is no. We are not sure. And uh, he's definitely bad at one of his jobs, and that's being a good toy to Andy. He's I would questionable rate his per- being a mayor. I would rate his performance at a fair. At best. Yes. I mean, I think he does I think he does serviceable things sometimes as far as being a leader, but I think he's probably always kind of a crap toy. Mm-hmm. So Fair at best overall. Fair at best overall. All right. That's Sheriff Woody in the bank. Join us next week for another episode of Are We Sure This Is Good? Where our topic will be different. TBA. TBA, TBD. TBD. TBS. Man. Funny here. What is it? Was it just funny? Save, what was it? Saved by the Bell, the college years on TBS after the price is right. That was. What, what was their tag? Like TBS were funny? Was it here's the funny? That's not it. I think it was just more funny. More funny? Oh. That was it? When they got Conan, that was a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Sorry. Well, this was pretty fun. It was I super guess. fun. I apologize for being tired. I'm up past my bedtime just by a little Me. bit, but it was great. I had a good time. Did, Did you, you have a good time? Yeah. Update on espresso beans. Did you take your espresso beans this time? I did not. We had a oh. whole thing. We're going out of town. So we had the neighbor over to show her where the dog food is because she's got to take care of the dogs. And then she was here. So we're like, hey, you want to have a beer? We'll sit down for a second. So I had the opposite espresso beans. I had an IPA 
and hung out with the neighbors and my wife would just sit and, you know, have a, have a little chit chat, have a little cocktail hour, a little social time. That's good. We couldn't just show them where the dog food is and they kick him out of the house. That's untoward. That's rude. Yeah. And then shove espresso beans up your butt. See, no, I, I should have done that. I'm going to need to get more. I'm running out. They're actually a gift for my wife. And she doesn't like them very much. I got her like a big box of chocolates for Valentine's Day. And one of the things in the fancy box was chocolate covered espresso beans. And she doesn't like them. So I've been eating them to give myself a little boost. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So a, little take a little jolt. I put that on the Apple reminders list. I'll just have Siri tell me to take some espresso beans. So like when, I, you know, do you want to like record on a Sunday, do Sunday afternoon or like maybe like Monday at like. 1.45 a.m. or something? Or what time? Wednesday? You want to do like a Wednesday? Um, I, I can't do Wednesdays. Um, what about the 1.45 a.m. on Monday thing? Is that like a good time for you? Definitely not that time either. Okay. I think I'd have to double check the calendar, but probably Thursday. Oh, okay. Does that work? I believe, I believe I have that three. Okay. Thursday. Thursday it is then. All right. Well, this was fun. I'll, I'll see you next week. This was fun. Captain, please. Stop eating sesame cake. This has been Are We Sure This Is Good? with Rob Durland and Tim Mall. You can find us online at areweshorethisisgood.com. If you want to see things we think are good, check out the Are We Sure This Is Good YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter at AWSTIG. Suggestions or questions? Drop us a line at areweshorethisisgood at gmail.com. From all of us here at Malmland, keep those headphones at a reasonable volume, never argue with a drunk, and whenever possible, hug someone you love. It is. Don't know it's why I went with an accent there. It's quite strange. It's, it's quite, quite strange. St- it's quite strange. We can't use any of it. No.